Welcome to Overthoughts, part of the Overthink Podcast Network, and today we're talking Theodore because Teddy is gone. Long gone. Long gone, babe. Yeah, it's season two of Westworld, episode six, Phase Space. Phase Um, Place. Phase Place, yes. (laughs) I'm your host, Jason Helms, and with me is Dominic. Really? (laughs) Dominic? Yes, really. I'm really here, Jay. Jesus. Yeah, man. (laughs) Sorry, Ashley. Had to get that out. Yeah. Uh, and it's a skeleton crew today uh, because everybody else is off scene solo. We'll try to have a podcast up for you shortly on that. You are intrepid reporters mm. on the beat. Right. All right so, so let's sum up phase space for you. Uh, not the mathematical theorem or, or concept, but yeah. the episode of Westworld. Dolores discovers Bernard's infidelity, shall we say? Mm. Emily and her dad bond. He thinks she's a robot. She knows he's an asshole who can't tell the difference between his daughter and his wife, and he proves her right by riding off just to be ambushed by Ghost Nation. Ghost Nation. Maeve and the gang have a touching farewell with Akane, experience moderate to severe heartburn, Ooh. and let the girl with the dragon tattoo tag along as they make their way to Maeve's daughter's place. The only problem is Maeve's mom. And Ghost Nation, uh, again. Ghost Nation. Ashley and Cole subdue Abernathy and greet the cavalry, led by resident badass Coughlin, who discover that the park seems to have a mind of its own. Elsie and Bernard make their way to the cradle, where Bernard interfaces himself with the machine and goes into the simulation. There he discovers the man behind the curtain is... Ford. Ford? Yeah, it's Ford. Ford. Uh, Ford? Ford? Dolores and Theodore ride a train into the cradle, spelled CR4DL. Um, oh, like, a, like it's a license plate. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Like a vanity plate. Yes. Uh, and that's about it. So let's start with the other explanation of phase space. Yes. Uh, which we've nicely typed into our notes from Wikipedia. Uh, in dynamical <laughs> systems theory, a phase space is a space in which all possible states of a system are represented, with each possible state corresponding to one unique point in the phase space. All right. Let me say that again in kind of layman's terms. Yeah. Imagine uh, a pendulum going back and forth. Okay. A phase space for it would represent every single position that the pendulum can be in. And every position it can be in would get a unique point on the plot. Whatever graph, mm. whatever way you want to set that up. Yeah. Um, so in other words, I, I would think a video of a pendulum completing a, a complete rotation uh, would pretty much be a good representation of that. However, it can be represented mathematically in a variety of ways, and that's usually the way that a phase space is referring to is that mathematical construction. Um, I read a whole book on chaos theory. Uh, it's called Chaos by um, James Gleick, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it's very readable for a book on uh, complex mathematical theories. I'm not sure I followed all of it, but that's somewhat important for this uh, because if you can represent all the possible uh, position something can be in, then uh, you can start to work with statistics and model how likely is something to be there. Uh, one thing I learned about electrons, for example, was when we look at, when we uh, model electron orbits, we're not modeling where electrons are, but where they have the potential to be. Mm. And that that's when you see like a ring around an atom or something like that, that's not where an, an electron actually is, but where it could be. Okay. Uh, that's what that ring is showing you. Uh, And that's a very simple phase space. I'm sure that we have some mathematician listening who is screaming at us now because we've gotten everything wrong. But the interesting thing is what in the world does this possibly have to do 
Up, up until now, by the way, we've done really well with the screaming mathematician demographic. They, they've really enjoyed us. We've gotten a lot of nice notes, uh, a couple of yeah. reviews, a 3.14 star review uh, from one of them, which was clever and disappointing. Mm-hmm. But Very uh, thank you for that. All right. So what does it have to do with Westworld? Well, in this episode of Westworld, we were finally introduced to The Cradle, which is a simulation or a series of simulations of all the different hosts and what they could be doing. And Bernard stepped into that. Why do you have this simulation going? It's so that when you start a new narrative, you want to test it out. You want to see what the host could do. You want to run it in debug so you can uh, make all the mistakes there. And ideally, you want the hosts to create a phase space for you where every conceivable possibility that could happen is represented. Every every, uh, position that every host could be in is represented. Uh, the one where May flips out is represented, the one where Dolores flips out is represented, and all the different little permutations you could have. Yeah. And that's the point of a simulation. Like you would simulate a season of baseball to find out what's going to happen. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. And, and uh, so we, we've discovered by simulating, for example, seasons of baseball, different baseball uh, records that are actually really, really important. For instance, uh, Joe DiMaggio's hit streak is actually st- statistically improbable. Uh, and really stands up as an amazing record uh, that we would be unlikely to see again. And it's fun to find things out like that, that it would be yeah. unlikely that anyone would ever have a hit streak like that. But it's tough to do those kinds of statistical manipulations of baseball, which is a very finite thing. The idea yeah. of doing that with hundreds and hundreds of people who have hundreds and thousands of choices every day is mm-hmm. tougher than that. And so we might think, well, but at least they know the machine's minds and they know how they would likely respond to all of this. Suffice to say, this is a very powerful computer that is simulating all of this. The other thing this is leading to is that there are a finite number of possibilities. If we're going to represent every single possibility, then there must be a finite number of them. What that means is that human choice or robot choice in this example is limited in some way. They do not have complete free will. And that makes some sense in that, you know, do you have the option of floating above the ground right now? Not really. No. So because of necessary limitations like physics, uh, you know, every potential space that we could be in is limited in some way. But this opens the door to other limitations. There would be psychological limitations, um, emotional limitations, all of those things that guide what the hosts do and what people in the park might do and the probabilities of the places that they'll be in. So all that to say, we have thought for this entire season that what we are seeing is – a breaking of phase space, that this would be Mm. off the map, right? We are seeing something happen that has no potential to be simulated. Calling this episode phase space, showing us um, Ford inside the simulation, makes me think that Ford already simulated all of this, knew exactly what was going to happen, or what had the highest probabilities of happening, and all the things we've seen people doing this season that were supposedly free will, were already planned out by Ford. Not necessarily programmed by him in the sense of, like, I made you do it, but in the sense of, I knew what you would do. And so I set up a situation in which you would fall into my trap and you would do exactly this, because you had three options and I knew which one you'd take. So I merely limited your options. So basically Ford and Doctor Strange both analyzed the 14 million possible futures, and now we're both on, we're on the track of, of what they wanted to, us to, to do. Ben, just cut everything I said and, and put Dom's answer in. Yeah. Uh, that's much yeah. better. Great. Um, but no, it it makes sense that Ford is the 
the kind like the ghost in the machine. Yeah. In the sense of like, it, it seemed to me incredibly implausible that the further we got on in the season that Ford had just like holed up in a bunker and kind of like mapped out all the behaviors, put it in the computer and then killed himself. Yeah. But to have his consciousness put into the machine, like, and in that way, have it continue to operate actually makes it for me much more plausible that Ford would still be able to influence all the actions that have taken place thus far. Yes. And I think it's Ford's uh, gesture at immortality. Basically, if Ford tried to get immortality by putting himself into a host, well, there's there's not necessarily any interest in Delos in keeping that host alive. Yeah. However, if Ford can put himself into the cradle, he's in the OS for all future hosts. Yeah. He is part of the system. And mm-hmm. they do have a lot of interest in keeping him alive then, uh, as, lo- as long as he can play nicely to some extent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's basically made himself invaluable at that point like he can basically take possession of the ip and do with it what he wants yeah yeah because then he if he puts himself back into a host like if he puts himself into bernard puts himself into whatever model of something then he puts him right he puts himself right back into the physical so to just stay in the cloud he remains untouchable yeah so uh, that's a bit of what's happening with uh, the Ford stuff. Uh, where, where else do we want to head? So something that, that struck me, there's William and Grace mm-hmm. uh, have finally some dialogues from Ketchup, and there's some reminiscing of Grace at, as a youth uh, in Raj, Raj World, and William says, oh, yeah, like you're terrified of the elephants. And she looks at him, she says, Mom was scared of the elephants and he stops and like almost kind of stutters or has this like weird click. And I've, we've never seen William old William speechless in that way. Right. And almost kind of like confronted because we're echoing now the opening scene, which is itself an echo of the scene. So like, we're in now like several ripples of testing for fidelity and that like that notion of testing for like the accuracy of memory over and over and over again. And it just made me we kind of like toss the idea back and forth that William is a host. And for me, that was a moment where I thought like, cause that looked like old, that looked like Delos yeah. in the fidelity test yeah. to me. And I just wanted to see what you thought if that was. Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. I, I think the idea that Old William is a host is now confirmed. Mm. Like that that may be a little bit too far to put it, but especially based on some of the shots in the next time on. Uh, yeah, I, I feel pretty good about that prediction, and that the hundred and forty ninth test, I think it was that we got with uh, Old William testing yeah. Delos. It was actually a host testing a host for mm. fidelity, like and, Dolores testing. Yeah, like Dolores testing Bernardold. Yeah. And that Bernardold may well be Teddy. Mm. But it doesn't matter in the sense that what we know now is that Dolores, I believe prior to the scene on the beach, trained Bernard. Okay. And so maybe inside a simulation, 
maybe she goes into the cradle and that's where all this stuff is happening. Yeah. Um, which time wise could help us out too. Cause I believe time would probably pass differently inside the simulation. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Um, kind of like inception levels. Potentially. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of Dolores, her basically turning Teddy into Theodore. Yep. Theodore being our cold, merciless killer. It seems like she gets exactly what she wants, uh, but isn't quite pleased with it. Or just, like, not sure what to do with this thing now. Yep. Yep. Uh, she realizes that, that Teddy is gone. Um, mm. It's the, the old ship of Theseus question, right? Uh, you familiar with the ship of Theseus? Oh, uh, yeah. If you So you have a ship, and if you replace one part, then you replace another, and you replace another... And in time, you replace all the parts of the ship. At a certain point, is it still the ship of Theseus? Yeah, I think she discovered it isn't. Mm. Um, there, there was there were a couple parts in there that that were irreplaceable. Yes. Um, this this near automata game that I've been playing and talking about. Uh, there's just a one off random android that you can talk to who has a busted leg, and they ask him why he doesn't fix it, and he says, "Well, I've actually changed every single other part of myself." Uh, except mm. for the leg. So I wonder if I ever replaced the leg, would I still be me? Mm-hmm. So I, I've got to have this busted leg, uh, even though I can't walk, uh, just so I make, can make sure I'm still me, which yeah. is really funny when it's an android. Right. Hoping for that kind of authenticity. And it's great because you don't get anywhere further in that story. It's just like random. That's the, the only thing that that person in town says, but it's the yeah. entire ship, ship of Theseus in like two sentences. But isn't that a a callback to the first scene with Bernard and Dolores uh, that which is, you know, what is real, that which, that is, which is irreplaceable. Yeah, totally. Totally. I was not thinking about that. That makes complete sense. And now he's he's something other. Yeah. yeah. And I think I talked about this then. Because mm-hmm. the question we keep coming back to is, if you can't tell, does it, does it matter? Right. Right. As middle-aged Will says to uh, Delos. Mm-hmm. And that's the question of the simulation. I mean, if we discover that all of Westworld that we've been seeing so far is inside a simulation, does that matter? I mean, in a sense, mm. it is. It's a it's a TV show with actors. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, we already knew that. We're still allowed to have feelings and connect to these people in there. Uh, but if you just tell me that everyone was a robot, what? why would I then no longer care about the fake characters that I was watching that I knew were fake? Why would that one piece of data change everything? That's because we think it should. You know, it, it really matters to us uh, because mm-hmm. we want to believe that we're real. Another, I think I mentioned this earlier uh, when we talked about that which is irreplaceable. Another way of determining reality is uh, that which we cannot change. Right. Like the opposition to it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, I think, may be a problem that Ford runs into if they follow it to that uh, direction, which is, you know, the hosts don't have godlike powers. Mm. They have witch-like powers. um, Yes. You know, but they can't literally just change reality. They can change other people, uh, manipulate people, do things like that, but like just completely change reality. Um, now there's a mountain here. Now there's not. Yeah. Ford is approaching that within the simulation. And in that sense for him, I would think the simulation would be unreal. Uh, whereas for Bernard, as long as he's inside the simulation, he can know it's a simulation. But if, if he can't tell, why does that matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, once he's in there for everyone else inside the simulation, why does it matter? Yeah. Kind of that, that stopping with Elsie about, you know, her being freaked out by all of the hosts being in there. 
hundreds mm-hmm. of thousands of lives being lived out and him saying, yeah. Yeah, it's just programs. Like, by, by the way, Elsie is the most pissed off exposition character. Yeah. I've ever met. This is like, Oh, the cradle. I hate this place. Just tell like, you everything about it. In an just so place. many effing hard drives. Ugh. Ugh. Hard drives. <laughs> like, I feel ba- like I simultaneously love Elsie because she just does not give a shit about like all the higher, all the bigger questions. Like she's the one who's going to be like, Hey, what are we having for lunch? Like yeah. she's the just nuts and bolts character. And because of that, she's getting saddled with a lot of exposition. Yeah. Yeah. But she's also the existential character and that she feels weirded out by hundreds of thousands of lives being lived out over and over all around her, which, which I, makes I think is kind of practical sense. In a way. Yeah. I mean, that's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they're just programs like yeah. pain. Pain is just a program. Ooh. Oof. So uh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what did I want to ask you about? Uh, oh, Maeve. Okay, yeah. so because I've had more of a struggle with this storyline uh, than you have, I do believe it paid off really well. I, I didn't see this turn, mm-hmm. but I wanted to hear what and what like what you were feeling when you saw Maeve sit down with the daughter and then them both meet Her the mom. daughter's mom. <laughs> like, yeah. you know. So- so this one, um, I actually saw coming uh, for a little while, um, and it was confirmed kind of when I, as soon as I saw the house, I was like, okay, she's going to meet uh, her daughter's mother. Mm. And, you know, then it was just playing out in slow-mo horror that I yeah. knew that was going to happen. Uh, one, because that's the most heartbreaking thing, right? If she discovers that her daughter's dead, that's not close to as heartbreaking as discovering that her daughter does not know that she exists and has another mother and was very happy with that other mother. Yeah. And I'm actually a force for evil and not a force for good mm-hmm. if, I, if I tear them apart. And so uh, I, I did see that coming and, and really felt that pain. Um, yeah, it's oof, that was yeah. a, a tough watch because uh, I do love Maeve. Yeah. I don't know how she'll handle that. Yeah, so that was an example of like a phase space idea of multiple scenarios existing almost simultaneously. Of like Maeve yeah. as mom coming to rescue Maeve's daughter with a different mom just as happy or happier in, in that space. Yeah. And then us trying to figure out, okay, who deserves her more? We all think it's Maeve, mm. but that's because we've been following her story. Right. Right. For no other reason than that. Mm-hmm. Are we done with Shogun world? I worry we are. Cause I love Shogun world, but at least it got a good farewell. Yeah. And, and that I'm worried also because I love both those actors yeah. Uh, Rinko Kikuchi, Kikuchi and Hiroyuki Sanada. Hiroyuki criminally underused yeah. in season six of Lost and criminally underused again here. Were this to be his ultimate or, you know, his last episode, like I, I would understand why in terms yeah. of just like sheer plot. But I would also be really disappointed. Um, how many episodes more do we have? Do you know? We have four. Four more. Oh, so it is ten, season, ten episodes. Okay. Yeah. That's what I yeah. figured. Um, there's a lot more to come. I did not expect mm-hmm. all of this to happen so quickly. Um, yeah. This was it, a big it, episode. D- judging by the next on, it looks like 
it looks like Ford's going to try and engineer a <laughs> what looks like just hell yeah. in you know, in, in the operating in the, in the Mesa. Yeah, and it looks like what do we make of the fact that we saw Teddy as a guard? Yeah, these these duplications. So the line over it was something about um, we modeled them after ourselves. So does yeah. that mean that Teddy was based on a real person? Right. They, mm. they yeah, made in your image, made yeah. in your images. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, based on a real person, or does it mean that they've been using hosts as guards, and that there are? I mean, that was also juxtaposed with with a scene in which we saw like eight Bernards in you know different states. Yeah, because my the simplest answer for me just is like it's more protective gear, and so Teddy just changes clothes. Okay, cool. But again, like. It feels like the reveal of a, I hate to, a real Teddy. Yeah. It feels like that reveal to do that in the Nexon would be, I I just, I don't think they would do that. It just feels like way too big of a reveal. Yeah. Uh, I think that they might give us a moment to think it's the real Teddy Mm. before we see another real Teddy uh, and realize that there are, you know, a dozen of them. And that, so... In the sense that they show us a bunch of Bernards, they could just do like an army of Teddies. Yeah. A yeah. Teddy army. How adorable. Oh, I love it. Just want to Speaking of Teddies, I saw the, the Christopher Robin Winnie the Pooh trailer. I just about cried. Anyway, oh. okay. Oh. So, but back to the Teddy army, which, which I just, I'm going to hang my head on that one. Uh. Yes, please do. <laughs> But that's what it could. That's that's what it could be. I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like the the Teddy Army idea. Um, I like the idea that Will is a host. That just about everyone involved is a host. I think the storyline I'm most interested in finding out what happens next in is Ghost Nation. Okay. Because uh, we were given the most kind of lead here with uh, that the one guy who said, um, "Your path is with us. Your journey." Is with us, whatever that we're, was saying. We're meant was. for the same path. That that was it. Yeah, yeah. No, your path leads only to death. And it's like, mm-hmm. mm, I don't think it does. Um, yeah. Remember when Ashley and Grace were taken uh, captive? Uh, mm-hmm. That Ashley said that they had only been killing hosts, not guests. And so I think Ford is also controlling them. And I I think it's likely in a similar way that he's controlling Dolores and Maeve, which mm-hmm. is that it's not a direct control but an indirect control. Uh, some kind of looser persuasion model where it's uh, I'm going to give you a finite set of choices and I know which one you're going to choose, but I'm going to limit those choices each time uh, so that I can lead you where I want you to go uh, mm-hmm. and give you the illusion of choice. Uh, same, th- same deal with ghost nation uh, and that they would also have been waking up in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Because at, at some point we still have to get back to the beach from yep. episode one. So right now they still, they have, Abernathy nailed to a chair. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, ouch. And on the beach, he's missing. Yep. And so, like, whatever this battle is going to happen, this throwdown, I would imagine that's where they get Abernathy back. But there's still something going on. We did get that flash of Bernard with a semi-automatic. Uh, so something's going to go down and that makes me think of when Bernard killed, oh gosh, I'm forgetting her name in season one, 
when we, you found out that Bernard was a host mm-hmm. and she confronted him and he said, doesn't look like anything to me. And oh, yeah. He, yeah. So that scene, that's what it makes you think of in the sense that Bernard is being controlled again. So like what you were talking about with Dolores and Maeve. Yep. Probably. Uh, although Bernard seems like a much more direct control. Oh, sure. Like, especially if he can or can't see certain things. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but it may be that Dolores or Maeve are under that same kind of control, and we're just not seeing it. Yeah, I, I think that that would be a really hard pill to swallow. In that, uh, not in terms of like believability, but just in the sense that like you've made so much of this show about them having free will. Yeah, and them questioning what that is. I'm allowed. I'm okay with you showing us that they lack free will in the same way that all people lack free will. In that we we think we do, but really a lot of our choices are between. You know, chocolate and vanilla. They're not real life-changing choices. We kind of mm. go with the program most of the time. If it's that kind of thing, then I'm, then I'm okay with it. If it's no, Ford mind-controls them in the same way that he was mind-controlling Bernard, that's going to be disappointing to me because then it, it doesn't get a chance to say much about human nature. It, yeah. It really just is about these robots. Yeah. Is there anything, what's, what's something you are not at all looking forward to or just kind of done with? Is there anything? I think... I think Old Will is probably going to be our our exposition ticket to figuring out what's happening with Ghost Nation. Okay. I just really don't care about him. I'm, okay. I'm still, or I'm back there. I care about, I care about Grace. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I don't care so much about William. Yep. Um, yep. Because, yeah, like he's, it, he's, it seems like he's just doing a reverie of season one. Yeah. Of like, yep. oh, I'm, I'm playing a game. Like, no, man, like the game's over. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're done. Yeah, I don't know why he would possibly care about a game. Yeah, um, or or what that means to him. Right. It just it feels like he's way behind on everything else that's happening in the park. Yep. Uh, you mentioned in your notes that there was a change in aspect ratio. Yes. Uh, so what were you referring to? Okay. So. In both the opening scene and when Bernard goes into the cradle, mm. uh, the aspect ratio of the episode goes to uh, widescreen. Mm. I did not notice that, but that's more indication that Dolores and Bernard's scenes are a simulation. Yeah. Yeah. So, you like, basically, the actual, it becomes more rectangular. Yeah. Uh, in, in the aspect. and uh, No, they, they cut the top and the bottom off. Yes, Ben. Oh. Just just take out everything I said, and then just put in what what Jason said. Oh, um, I, I remember having those fights in high school uh, with friends that didn't want to watch the Letterbox version on VHS. <laughs> Why would you want to watch that? It's less of it. They cut the top and the bottom off. They did not oh. know you get to see more. If I got to see more, why is it smaller? Ah, oh. so many. So frustrating. Goodness. So frustrating. Yeah. So that I noticed right away, and. That is, that's without a doubt intentional. Yeah. Uh, to put put you in an other space and yep. to have a different look and feel and texture uh, to even, ha- you know, have the, that simulation, like you were saying, of Sweetwater just, just as it should be. And when Bernard goes through Sweetwater, that's where he finds Ford. That's where he first actually finds his dog. And and Jay, you wanted to talk about a dog. So I'm I'm setting you up. 
All right. So there was uh, a Reddit Ask Me Anything uh, with the creators of Westworld, uh, Christopher Nolan and Lisa Joy. Jonathan, Jonathan Nolan. Jonathan Nolan. Dang it. I was close. Uh, one of the Nolans. A Nolan. Yeah. Nolan Ryan. Nolan Ryan. And uh, in this Ask Me Anything, they ended by saying, you know, we've got this, this video that will answer – that's a total spoiler. And will answer all of your questions about season two. And you get uh, Bernard giving a voiceover, and he describes the opening scenes of the season with mostly fidelity. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's some misleading statements in there. And then we get some of the shots from this episode of Bernard yeah. inside the simulation, which has been leading people all along to know that Bernard is going to go into the simulation. Uh, that that's, you know, people had read that and actually figured that out earlier on. Oh, wow. Um, and then it ends with uh, Dolores and Clementine singing Never Gonna Give You Up. Mm. The entire thing was a giant rickroll. And yep. uh, that's actually not where it ends. Because then there are 20 minutes of a dog sitting at a piano in black and white while the Westworld theme plays. Oh, so it turns into a Twin Peaks episode. Yes. yes okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> Got it. Uh, the, the entire dog scene was filmed backwards. I don't think anybody noticed. But, yeah. Uh, I could tell. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so what what does that possibly matter? And... Dom, I think you and I have talked before, but I believe this was on the, our Twin Peaks show, mm-hmm. about uh, the Moo Koan. Does the dog have the Buddha nature? Yes. Uh, this is a, a famous koan, but it also applies to the idea of the ghost in the machine. Does uh, the computer have the human nature? Mm. This connection has been made various times, uh, but one of my favorites is by Thomas Pynchon in his novel Mason Dixon, in which uh, Mason and Dixon, two uh, colonial-era American surveyors, meet – a talking dog in a bar. Because uh, this novel's fantastic. <laughs> and uh, one of them afterwards is, is really nervous and he wants to talk to it, the dog's name is the Learned English Dog. He says, uh, Mr. Learned English Dog, I need to know, do you have a soul? And the dog says, Moo. Uh, which is, of course, the answer to the koan, mm. uh, which is no. But if the dog can say it, doesn't he? Uh, and also the acronym learned in English dog, L-E-D, uh, it's a reference to machines mm. uh, and the question of whether machines can think, which is a theme in a lot of Pynchon's novels. Mm. Um, so this, this question has already been linked uh, to the idea of how human are machines. I think that that's part of what's being gestured at. We've got a dog in front of a piano while the score is playing. We've been linked already to the idea of player pianos. Yeah. And this question of where does the soul reside? Where, where does humanity end? Mm-hmm. Are our dogs part of the same experience that we call, you know, life? Yeah. Uh, or is it radically different? Uh, same question with machines. Mm-hmm. So in, in a weird and kind of goofy way, they're gesturing at all of those questions about where's the, the other side of the line. We've been seeing one side of the line, which is where's the line between human and machine? And the other side of the line is where's the line between human and animal? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that's a little bit of what that shot is doing. We've got a lot of other thoughts about animals happening in this episode. You already mentioned the dog. Uh, we had the wolf throughout season one. Yeah. Or coyote or whatever it was. And in this season, we've got the flies. Yeah. And yeah. The, the flies are really interesting uh, because there's some reference along the way to them being the only real thing in Westworld. Mm. Um, and I assume that there's also bacteria and stuff like that. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the only real animals in Westworld are the insects. Uh, because you just can't get rid of them. They're all there. 
They yeah. just all exist. Huh. And as they feed on things, you can tell which things are, they can tell the difference between guest and host. Um, the old, you know, let God sort them out. Uh, well, let the flies sort them out. Yeah. Isn't it? Because they're not going after the bodies of the hosts. Right. Wow. That, like, I just, that just, like, clicked in my head. Yeah. Holy. So that's, what, that's the way that the flies are acting. They're a reminder of death and a recognition of humanity. Dang. Holy cow. See, I thought my mind was going to be blown by, like, phase space. And <laughs> it's flies that just, that took my breath away right now. Nice. Dude. All right. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, that brings us back to uh, the Emily Dickinson poem, I Heard a Fly Buzz When I Died. Uh, which, no? Not read it? No, no that, sorry. You lost oh, me there. I'll, well, I'll try to pull that one up because uh, it's, it's a solid little poem. And all Emily Dickinson poems can be sung to the tune of Amazing Grace or um, The House of the Rising Sun. Uh, which are both fantastic ways to read uh, these poems. Always. I heard a fly buzz when I died. The stillness in the room was like the stillness in the air between the heaves of storm. And so it, it goes on from there as she's imagining her death and a fly already buzzing around her. Uh, I willed my keepsake, signed away what portion of me be assignable. And then it was there interposed a fly with blue uncertain stumbling buzz between the light and me. And then the window failed. And then I could not see to see. Fantastic meditation on death. But I, I, again, I actually think that they want us to think about that. It's, mm-hmm. it's a famous poem about a meditation on death. They're bringing the flies in uh, constantly to make us think about death. Well, and a fly is the first thing that, that Dolores kills back at the end of the pilot. Yeah. You know, again, that's, that's a callback. Like, I think of Good Psycho, call. actually. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. I, that's a callback yeah. to what? Uh, Psycho. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. That he, won't, he wouldn't hurt a fly. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Yep. See, I'll show them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a good good reference there. So, yeah. Uh, there Interposed a Fly uh, is the new name of this show. Yep. Uh, no more talking Teddy. Uh, <laughs> Teddy is gone. Yep. And Emily Dickinson every single time. Yep. Emily Dickinson from here on out. Yeah. Uh, all right. So where are we going from here? Uh, any predictions you want to throw out there? Uh, I... So because now... They're not doing repairs. Like I think either Hector, I think Hector is going to die in mm. this battle royale mm-hmm. uh, coming up. Like we're gonna we're gonna lose. We're gonna shave off some people. Okay. No, I, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So because it feels like we're getting a little too big. Like it's time to lose some folks impermanently. I I think maybe Sylvester. Oh, okay. Not Felix, if I remember which one's which. Which is Sylvester's the one we like. Uh, uh, I think Sylvester I, is the one we don't like. Oh, dang. Then I think Felix is going to die because we won't care about Sylvester's death. Okay. But Felix just had that great, assuming I've got them right now, uh, yeah. you know, stand up at the end, the, the glare at uh, Strickland? Sizemore. Sizemore. Uh, what a great scene with Sizemore, by the way. Because mm-hmm. Sizemore mm-hmm. really has connected with the hosts. He does not want to do this. Uh, you can tell that he is, he's gone full native. Yeah, it's fantastic to see him actually care about something. Mm-hmm. And even Sylvester, if I again now I think I might be getting them right, seems to care. Seems to feel a little bit bad about it. Yeah. Um, and but they're if, re- they're reverting though to their base natures. Yes, their human natures. Yeah. Except for Felix, who does care. Mm-hmm. 
Good for um, them. Yeah. So we're lo- we're losing somebody. Yep. Yep. Um, I think confirmation that Will is a host next episode. Mm-hmm. Confirmation that uh, what we saw on the beach was um, a simulation, but not of the kind we're thinking. It's not a simulation in the sense of putting um, somebody into uh, a computer and then having Bernard act all this out over and over again. They're literally having different bodies of Bernard that they are bringing to life and having them act it out. With, oh. They've somehow accessed uh, Bernard's memories from that time and are trying to have him show them what happened. Um, oh, interesting. And I, and I think that this is not the first time it's happened, the one that we see on the beach. In fact, uh, there are some theories, if you want to go read around on Reddit, um, there are a lot of inconsistencies in the beach scenes. People who have already been shot in the background, standing there and getting shot again. Okay. That leads you to think that that may not just be one long scene. It's actually multiple scenes stitched together because they've been doing yeah. this many times with Bernard until they can get it right. And he will tell them what they actually need him to tell them, which may be what happened or maybe something about Ford um, that they are trying to find a password or something like that. Yeah. Oh man, how interesting! Which again would make sense with phase space of having all of these possibilities existing alongside each other. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get for sure an explan or some kind of explanation from Ford. I mean, maybe we get like the villain exposition. Yeah. The the. Uh, yep. What's it? The monologuing. Yep. And I, yeah, I think we do get monologuing. I. I do think we get more of a sense that Ghost Nation has a larger role to play okay. in this next episode, but I don't think we get the answer yet. Okay. I think that's episode eight or nine Yeah, um, that we get filled in on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's about it. Yeah. Um, Grace does some stuff, maybe. I, I I don't know what what happens with Maven, her daughter. Yeah, I don't know, man. That, like, if right now the daughters, I have question marks in terms of where... Because it feels like there's a, a lot of momentum with Dolores, with the cradle, with whoever's going down at headquarters. Like, shit's going to hit the fan. Yep. With Maeve's daughter, with Grace. Like, I care about them. Yeah. But I I don't know where they're headed. Right. Uh, the trajectory is, is just gone. Yeah. Um, I, I've got nowhere to follow. I'm excited to see where it goes. I like yeah. those characters. I just, I, I've just got no guesses. Um, yep. it, it all depends on whether, uh, the Maeve's daughter's mother, uh, survives. Mm-hmm. If, if she does, then Maeve, I think has to reconcile herself with leaving her daughter there. Uh, if she doesn't, I think Maeve has to reconcile the fact that she may have been a kidnapper, may have brought, you know, her daughter doesn't trust her Yeah, that, that she's not in the place of a mother right now, uh, which mm-hmm. is more heartbreaking. Therefore I think it's more likely. Yeah. Right. One last question, uh, which is something that confused me. At the end, we see the train plowing into the cradle. Yeah. Was your understanding that Dolores and Teddy and all of them were on that train? My understanding was that they were on the car without the engine at the front. Got it. And they had and released so, the yeah, tech. So, yep. Got it. No, that's that's kind of what I retroactively assumed. Yeah. But in the moment, my eyes were connecting them with the train that was running into the mountain. And I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. 
Yes, yeah. So I'm glad to hear that you think that too, because that was kind of retroactively I try to go, maybe they were on the other train and I just got it backwards. Yeah, I mean, visually it was a little disorienting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, But I assume if I watched it again, it would be very clear from which way the background's going and I'd be able to figure it out. Oh, there you go. Uh, But who knows? Um, All right. Cool, man. All right. Yeah, anything else before we get out of here? No, man. I I dug this episode. I... uh, I'm excited to see what the what the Ford reveal has for us, and I'm excited for Dolores to finally make her her war play. Yeah, yeah, stoked. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Well, until next time, you can hit us up on Twitter at OverthinkPod. Uh, find us online at OverthinkPod.com. I'm Jason, uh, and I'm at Helm Street on Twitter. Uh, Dom. Uh, I'm Dominic and Dominic underscore Lang at, on Twitter and Dominic Lang on Instagram. Cool. And that's L-A-I-N-G. You got it. All right. Catch you next time. See you. Thanks for listening to Overthoughts, a part of the Overthink Podcast Network. Uh, If you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Podcast Network. And if you're really feeling generous, go ahead and rate and review us on iTunes. That would really help us out in a big way uh, and would help us create more content to share with you as well. So as always, you can check out our website at overthinkpod.com. And our handle is at overthinkpod pretty much everywhere else. So go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook. And that would help us by spreading the word. Uh, We're always interested in hearing from listeners, so please drop us a line and let us know what you think of the show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, that kind of thing, Uh, maybe even if you want to suggest uh, some topics for us to cover on a podcast, that'd be great. You can email us at overthinkpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for stopping by.